The book of Isaiah, starting in chapter 36. So this is a sort of a unique part of the um, of the book because he it's very much historical. This, you know, here's Isaiah saying this is what happens. And you can line this up with other books like Kings or Chronicles and kind of this is uh, Isaiah's take on what happened. And uh, obviously there's spiritual implications, but it's less prophetic and more historical. So Hezekiah is king of Judah, and he's been a very good king. He got rid of the high places, which a lot of good kings wouldn't do, but he did. So he'd been a very good king up to this point. But still, the king of Assyria, Assyria was really strong. They had already conquered Israel, and they were coming against Judah, and they conquered many cities of Judah, and now they're coming against Jerusalem. And the spokesman for the king of uh, Assyria, Rabshakeh, uh, calls out and says, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What is this confidence that you have? I say, you, your counsel and strength for the war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled? So he, he goes on and says, Where are you relying on Egypt? Egypt is nothing. We will crush Egypt. And he says, what, you rely on, we trust in our God? Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar? So he didn't understand the way of God. He saw the, he saw the uh, religion that had sprung up of people worshiping on high places, which God had said not to do. And uh, he assumed that uh, Hezekiah was um, not going in the way of God, or at least the people, I mean, he doesn't know God, obviously, so he sees the peoples have their religion done away with and says, well, you can't rely on that God, and he starts mocking God and God's ways. And you see, this is very similar to the, the, the offer made to Adam and Eve in the garden and the offer made to Jesus in the wilderness during the temptations, where, hey, look, I will give you all this. You will have a wonderful life. I will give you 2,000 horses. Uh, how, you know, I, I'm going to give you everything if you just give up your city to me. Uh, Adam and Eve uh, wanted, you know, knowledge uh, that God already wanted to give, but they wanted the shortcut. Uh, this enemy offered Jesus to be ruler of the world, which God already offered, but he offered a shortcut. Here he offers a shortcut. Don't rely on God. Just rely on me. Don't worry. I'll take care of you. And he says, you can't, you know, it's impossible for you to overcome me. My army is overwhelming. You will be destroyed if you don't come my way. So here he's using um, bullying tactics. He's, he's saying, I will destroy you. Now the leaders of Jerusalem start speaking to him in his own language and they say don't don't speak in Aramaic because we understand your language and the people are going to hear what you're saying and he cries back I want them to hear they should realize the terror that's in front of them Hebrew is a form of Aramaic so I don't know how well they can if you just know one how well you can understand the other but apparently it was different enough that uh, um, if you, you know they wanted him to speak in Aramaic not Hebrew so he crawls out again in Hebrew. He says, don't let Hezekiah deceive you. He will not deliver you. And do not let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us. 
This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen, Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make your peace with me, and come out to me, and eat, eat each of his vine, and each of his fig tree, and drink each of the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. So, th- again, this is very similar He's th- to what the enemy offered, as I just mentioned. He's saying, I'll give you the promised land. Um, this is because this is the same kind of language that God used to Moses and Joshua promising the promised land to the people. And he's saying, I'll give you a promised land. You just have to go my way instead of the Lord's way. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Has any God stood before me? I've destroyed all these other people's gods as I've conquered. You know, it's an empire at this point. The So it started as a kingdom. He's conquered many kingdoms. So this Assyrian empire has, you know, I've conquered all these people with all these other gods. Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their land from my hand? And the Lord will deliver Jerusalem from my hand? He's saying it's impossible. I, I, I conquer all these gods. So he's equating the God with all these idols. But they were silent and answered him not. So the king had said don't answer. And so the people did not answer. So then we'll turn to 37 and we're going to see, you know, he's coming against Jerusalem, mocking God. And then we'll see what happens as we go forward. 37. So look at Hezekiah's response. He tore his clothes. He entered the temple of God. He sent for the prophet Isaiah. He's totally humbled himself in seeking the Lord. So he's he's worried because they have an army that can destroy his army. So there's no way in the natural for him to win this battle. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's obviously a temptation just to do what he says, take his offer and he'll, you know, maybe what he gives us will be wonderful. Or he can, against all odds that your earthly eyes can see and your earthly ears can hear, do you trust in the Lord? And so he sends for Isaiah and says, what do we do? We're in desperate situation. We need God. Pray for us, please. And so here's Isaiah's response. Thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard with which the servants of the king of Syria have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. So God brings down judgment. It's something he brings, you know, he says, I'm going to do something that is impossible uh, according to the natural way of man, but I'm above that, and I'm going to save you in a way that is not would not have been foreseeable, but here's how I'm going to do it. And then this is what happens. Reb, Reb Sheka uh, returned. He found that the king of Assyria is fighting somewhere else, and so then he has to go and help. And uh, he, he sends a threatening letter to Hezekiah, but basically his army leaves. And so Hezekiah then goes to the temple to worship God. He says, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, who is enthroned upon the cherubim, you are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And listen to all the words of Sennacherib, who sent them to reproach the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have devastated all the countries and their lands. So he's saying, Lord, this enemy, I mean, 
They're not going away. They're still threatening me, and they're way too powerful for me. So here, save your people. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord our God. And so then Isaiah gets a word from the Lord. The Lord told Isaiah, Hezekiah's been praying to me. He's, he's got a good heart. He, he's trying to lead my people in the way that I give to him. And so send this word to him. So he sends this word back to Hezekiah. Thus says the Lord, because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken against him. And so then he gives a word against Assyria to say, don't worry, Hezekiah, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to destroy your enemies for you. And this is a, a real world example of what we talked about in the last recording, because that was very, um, you know, the prophetic language. It's it's just very spiritual, you know, it's very kind of... Uh, it's all kinds of pictures, and it may be difficult to see, well, okay, yeah, that sounds good, but I've got real life to live here. I've got real problems. Well, Hezekiah had a real problem. He had an army that wanted to destroy them. And and this, Assyria may have been one of the most vicious armies ever. The way they treated people when they uh, captured them was brutal. They were famous for being brutal. When Jonah goes in and has to say a word to them to, um, um, you know, help get offer them salvation, that's the reason he hates to do it, because these people are vicious and brutal. And so these are the people that has a superior army that's planning on destroying him. That's what Hezekiah is facing. That's a very real-world problem. And when you say to a man that's not of the Lord... Well, what you need to do is pray. That man is going to say, you are crazy. I've got to come up with my own strategy. But Hezekiah prayed and God delivered him. And God says, you know, he gives this kind of poetic thing. She has despised you and mocked you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem, whom you have reproached and blasphemed. Uh, and against whom you have raised your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes against the Holy One of Israel. So God's saying, you have blasphemed my people. You, you've spoken against my people. You've been haughty and arrogant against my people. Well, what you're really doing is you're being haughty and arrogant and blaspheming me. I shouldn't have said blaspheming my people. Blaspheming me is what you're doing when you're speaking against my people. Through your servants you have reproached the Lord, and you have said, with my, with my many chariots I came up to the heights of the mountain. Okay, I'm not going to read all that, but he's basically saying, you have come against my people, they represent me, and I will be their deliverance against you. Haven't you heard? I dried up the rivers of Egypt from long ago, from ancient times. I planned it. I brought it to pass, and you're turning against me? We can read the Bible and think, well, these are ancient times that this is talking about. This doesn't apply to today. Well, in Hezekiah's time, the the time of Moses and uh, all the crazy thing, deliverance that was happening there, all the all the plagues, the you know, the crossing the river, the the Red Sea and the Jordan River, those were ancient to them. That that was a long, long time ago for them. You know, it's, I don't know how many years exactly, but approaching a thousand years before them is, you know, if you think about a thousand years back from us, that's the dark ages. Like that, that's completely ancient to us. Well, that's was, this was ancient to them. 
and they're saying, well, we're, we're you know, the, yeah, sure, the God that helped us across the Red Sea, well, okay, sure, that happened, right. Well, God's saying, yes, that was me. I was then there, I, I was there then, and I'm here now. And just for us, he is here now. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And God says, 28, but I know you're sitting down and you're going out and you're coming in and you're raging against me. He says, I, I know you. I know what you do all day long. I'm, I'm there. And so to think that I'm some faraway God shows you don't understand who I am and what I'm about. And then in verse 29, this hook in the nose thing, this is one of the things they would do. They put a hook in the nose of the of the, I, I don't know if it's all the people or just kind of the noble people, but they drag them through their streets so that the people could see this parade of the conquered people, a bridle in your lips. This is, this is like how Assyrians would treat people after they'd conquered them. But now God's saying, I will do this to you. And Isaiah has an interesting little interlude here where he, he talks about uh, the surviving remnant of the Lord blossoming. And you could read this as, because he's not talking about Babylon here. He's talking about Assyria, but Babylon has nothing to do with this. But you could read it about the people returning from the Babylonian, um, um, you know, when they were captured there. But really, he's talking about our day. This, it, it actually reads more clearly about our day than it does about Babylon, because Babylon has nothing to do with this. Babylon is not Assyria. Totally different empire, totally different time period. Um, he's saying, uh, the surviving remnant of the house of Judah. So he's saying, I'm not going to save the whole house of Judah, but I will survive a remnant who represents me. Will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So he's talking about his kingdom reality coming to take over the world, the culture of his kingdom, of his family, of his living way, coming forth in a people who live not according to the way of the world, but into this new spiritual reality. And then he turns back to, to, to Assyria and says, as for the king of Assyria, he's not going to come back here. I will defend my people. Uh, he will return. He will not come back. I will defend the city for my own sake. And I, I was mistaken earlier. I, I thought that the the army outside their gates left, but apparently they were, I forgot this, they were still there. They just said they were going to leave, or he was thinking about leaving, I'm not sure. But anyways, the angel of the Lord goes out and kills 185,000 people. And so the men wake up in the morning, they see they're all dead. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed, returned home, and lived in Nineveh. It came about as he was worshipping at the house of Nisroch is God, that Adramelech and Shurak, his sons, killed him with the sword, and they escaped in the land of Ararat. And Eshuradan, his son, becomes king. So the word of the Lord through Isaiah comes true. The army is destroyed, and then the king, who had been mocking um, the Lord, is killed himself by his own kids. And uh, then we're on to chapter 38. So Hezekiah has been a great king up to this point. Maybe the best king of Judah ever. I mean, he's he's been a great king. But then he gets sick. And so Isaiah comes to him and says, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. That's not a good word to get. But 
Hezekiah turns his face and prays to the Lord. Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you in truth with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And he's weeping. So he says, Lord, I've, I've lived my life for you. Don't let me die now too early. So the word comes to Isaiah and from the Lord saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, you're the God of your father David. I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and the city from the hand of the king of Syria, and I will defend the city. So, you know, this is amazing good news. God's giving you 15 more years, Hezekiah. And he says, I'll even give you a sign. You know, shadows move in one direction, right? As the sun's kind of moving overhead, uh, the shadows only go one direction. He's going to say, I'm, I'm going to make the shadow go backwards for you, so you'll see that this is true. So Hezekiah sees this, and he's, you know, overjoyed. He's got 15 more years. And, you know, he he's just he's basically got like a poem here. I'm not going to read it, but uh, I will point out 14 if you've ever wanted to know where uh, Twitter gets his name. He says, like a swallow, like a crane. So I Twitter. <laughs> uh, probably not, but maybe. I don't know. So he, he's just continuing. He's praying out, Lord, let me live. He's talking about the bitterness of his soul at, at staring at the pit of death. And he ends it with, the Lord will surely save me. So we will play... Whoops. So we will play my songs on stringed instruments all the days of our life at the house of the Lord. <clears throat> and then Isaiah sends instructions to make him a cake of figs and that will help him heal. Um, and then Hezekiah had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? And we've got a cliffhanger, then we go to chapter 39. Actually, it's weird how that reads. I got to 39, and it has nothing to do with that. So, back to 38. Um, uh, you know, I think this, the sign has to do with the uh, um, the shadow that we talked about earlier. And then again, we're on to 39. So, at this point in time, Babylon is this far-off kingdom. They're, they're not an empire yet. Um, they're, they're kind of nothing really to be concerned of for Isaiah. And uh, they have people come over and, uh, you know, obviously they're kingdoms. So every kingdom has an army. It has some amount of power. And so um, Hezekiah decides to show off to these people. You know, maybe he's thinking they can, if he has a future battle, that they can help him. So instead of, like, depending on the Lord, as he did during this last battle that we saw, he starts thinking, hey, in the future, I might need allies of these foreign people in case somebody rises up. So I'm going to show him how wealthy I am. And he's he's bragging, look at all this wealth that I have. So everything that he's doing here is not good, but he shows off all his silver and gold and spices and oils and armory and everything he's got in his treasuries. And so then, you know, the Lord speaks to Isaiah. So Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says, What did these men say? And from where have they come to you? Hezekiah says, They have come to me from a far country, Babylon. What, and so Isaiah says, What have they seen in your house? And he says, They have seen all that is in my house. There's nothing that I didn't show them. And Isaiah says, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and all that your fathers have laid up in store to this day will be carried to Babylon. Nothing will be left. And some of your sons who will issue from you will be, from whom you will beget, will be taken away and they will become officials in the palace of the king of Babylon. 
And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord which you have spoken is good, for he thought there will be peace and truth in my days. So Hezekiah becomes prideful and his heart turns after, you know, he had been such a good king, after God's ways, after God's own heart, after his father David, um, up until the time when God gave him 15 more years. And then all of a sudden he becomes prideful and arrogant and selfish. And and now the the kingdom, which he's got this inheritance from his father David, which was a long, long time before, is many, many grandfathers up from Hezekiah. He is the carrier of this thing. And then all of a sudden, Isaiah says, because of his sin, this kingdom is going to be taken away. Uh, your people are going to be dragged off to Babylon. And he thinks that's a good thing. So you can see this kind of wickedness has come into Hezekiah's life. Because he's he's selfish at this point. He says, well, at least it won't happen during my life. I'll be good. And so, you know, it's a shame that we see it very often with almost all biblical characters that they start off good. And then as God, and, and this is true of peoples of God too. This is why God has to continually bring judgment. Because it's not only true in a man's heart, it's true in people. Where God are destitute and hungry and seek the Lord and he blesses them and then he they prosper and then they turn away from him and he warns them and then he judges them and he pulls out a remnant and he starts again well you that that's easier to kind of explain in people groups and but in people's hearts you see it with biblical characters all the time they start out really good they love the Lord they seek the Lord they follow the Lord and then in their old age as they become blessed they become arrogant in their own ways and think that their blessing came from their own hard work instead of realizing God is Lord. He is the giver of all this. And if they continue after his ways, they will continually be blessed. But otherwise, not so much. And that's what we see is the end of Hezekiah. And that's it for the day. Uh, the Lord bless you.